Beards Creek podcast. Um, tonight, I have finally coaxed my wife, Jackie, uh, to join me, and my oldest son, Jake, who is, um, as many times as I've gone to Senegal and Africa, he is kind of our resident expert. And you can hear our black lab in the background eating um, our Australian Shepherd's dog food. So. Uh, you can ignore those sounds in the background. Um, so, Jack and Jacob, Jackie and Jacob, um, they have both been to Senegal, and um, I've asked them to kind of come on and do a part two to last week's uh, African adventures. And, Jake, um, you went with me a number of years ago. I don't remember what year was your first. Um, oh, I just want to say I'm, ha I'm real happy to be here, Mike. <laughs> Uh, but uh, yeah, I think my first trip was in 2014, um, maybe 2013. I can't, I can't quite remember. It was right after Emily went. Um, but I was, I was under 14 years old. So yeah, and was it just you and I and John Tassong? Yeah, that was actually. It was, it was such a good trip though, because you guys are the only people that I really wanted there anyway. Um, it, at least for my first experience, it was good to, to have like a close group and we weren't overly prepared. Like we didn't do a lot of meetings or language beforehand, um, but it was, it was kind of just, you know, right into it. Yeah, I, re I had some great memories of that trip. What was the, the pizza joint that we ate at? Um, I don't. Like, so we ate at a place called My Burger, and it had a picture of President Obama that's, in it. <laughs> that's right. He, he went all the way to Senegal to eat at a place, My Burger, the yeah. best American burger. Yeah. And the great thing about that was um, there's Talibay boys, and they're, they're these boys who um, they beg for alms on behalf of a marabou. Um, and uh, we don't ever give them money because they don't ever see the money. They, but we can give them food. And I remember after eating out that night, Jake goes, can we give them food? We had a leftover pizza. Like a whole pizza, yeah. No slices taken. <laughs> and I, the kid could barely hold the whole thing, and he opens it up, and his eyes just light up. It was the coolest thing. Yeah, that was a, that was a great memory of that trip. Yeah. Um, and then Jackie went, when was your first, when, when did you go? I went in 2021. 2021 and we took Charlie and Rachel so I learned from the the first trip that I shared with you shared with the listeners last week about Emily and that at 13 or 12 whatever she was she was too young to go with just dad and um, so we learned from that and we took Rachel with you and, uh, and kind of did a combined trip which was fun for me to watch you having heard from all the kids all over the years going with me to finally see you and watch you experience it was uh, that was pretty cool so Jake has been um, has now been four times four times and so we did two times with um, with Levi right well yeah so the first trip was just the three of us then was with uh, Allison and Emily um, which that one got interrupted. I ended up going with Allison and John, just the three of us at first, I think. <clears throat> um, and then it was just you, me, Levi, and... Um, oh, um, Jamie. Jamie, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that trip with Emily that got interrupted, um, 
I kind of mentioned it last week a little bit, but didn't explain all of it. But just the long and short of it is we got to Washington, D.C., and we were checking into our flight, and they said Emily couldn't fly because her passport was up in less than six months. So now I'm stuck. I've got Jake through the gate going to get on the plane, and I have Emily crying, and I'm going, what do I do? Yeah. Well, that was an, it was an interesting situation for me, too, because... I could have stayed back like it wasn't too late I could have probably just gone with you guys and shown up later but it was kind of like well then Allison will probably stay behind too and you know the show must go on so that that's yeah. what happened and we ended up I remember I I took a melatonin pill as soon as we got on the uh, plane and I woke up in Africa like I didn't eat anything on the plane I didn't have any drinks it was like uh, this is just so unreal but you, you jumped right in. Yeah, and it was it was great actually. Um, yeah, it was it was kind of like a warm up before you guys got there, and then you guys got there, and it was like okay, the trip is is really happening. Um, but it was, it, you know, John is John, and so when we got to Africa, he was off talking to people in the village, you know, it, just doing his own thing, and it was a lot of me and Allison, and Allison's just asking me questions, and I'm like, well. I've only been here one time, and it was three years ago. So, like, I I think I know what's happening here, but it was um it was kind of like my first kind of it, it was kind of my first experience as an experienced African traveler. All right, Angus, come on, get on. I here. think it's funny that we said well, let's leave this dog in here because he will lay there quiet. <laughs> yeah. Well, is he chewing on an antler? Yeah. Yeah. So then the third trip, Jake, I think might be the. I don't know, maybe you're the jinx, but the third trip, we get to the airport and uh, in Senegal to fly home, and our flight got canceled, and it was going to fly the oh, next day. I forgot about that. That was terrible. Oh, we so, were in the airport for probably 12 hours just waiting. Yeah, and then they, they sent us to a resort, which was nice. We spent the whole next day. Mm -hmm. Who was the dude that you met? Yeah, it was in the. It was like a little resort. There was a pool with a wall uh, separating like the resort from the ocean, and there's like armed guards and stuff. And I didn't know. I didn't know anything, and they don't speak English. But I walked up to one of the armed guards, and he just opened the door for me. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I guess I'm free to go. So I walk out the door, and immediately there's this guy there selling stuff, and he knew English, and he was like. Oh, you bring me American bills. If you bring me an American bill, I'll give you whatever you want. <laughs> well, we only had ones. I mean, everything else we had was in Safa. So I, I brought him a couple ones, and he just loaded up my pockets with all these trinkets and stuff. It was kind of cool. Yeah, and that was that was kind of fun. Like we, I remember we mm -hmm. sat around by the pool and uh, had a couple drinks. It was relaxing. Remember, yeah, and we went to the ocean. But then we get on the plane, and so we fly from. Senegal to the Gambia, right? Yeah, to Gambia. To the Gambia. And then from there, we went to... So we went south to Gambia, and then we flew north to, to Brussels. Brussels right? Yep. And then from Brussels to D.C. Mm -hmm. From D.C. No, well, I don't know. It was Brussels to... It doesn't really matter, but yeah. I think it was Brussels to Montreal. We might have done D.C. and then Montreal. I can't yeah. remember. And then Montreal to Toronto. <laughs> and then we had to drive... We drove home from I think Toronto. we drove home from Toronto. It was exhausting. Yeah, it was a trip that wouldn't end. So, Well, so then after that, and we'll get to you, Jack. Oh, I'm see, just sitting here. I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> um, 
But then you you went to college mm -hmm. and you went as a biochem major. Yeah, that was my first major. And that Mistake. lasted. How long, <laughs> how long did that last? Uh, that was honestly, I was a biochem major for almost a year and a half. Um, I I did a full semester of organic chemistry and then was like, eh, I don't think. I don't think I want to do another semester of this. Um, and I think that was shortly after my second or third trip where I was kind of like, okay, I think this is probably something more meaningful, something mm -hmm. that I, I really feel like I could find a purpose doing instead of organic chemistry. So what is what did you then major in? International development. Um, and I was one of only four students in my class that was doing international development at the time. Um, and that's kind of, I, people ask me all the time what international development really is, and that's kind of a hard question to answer, because um, it just incorporates so many different things. Um, it's kind of the study of policies and uh, procedures and different things that you can do to help bring a, a developing nation to where the rest of the developed world is. Um, that's that's a very broad way of putting it, but it really does incorporate so many different jobs that yeah. that I can't just say it's ending world hunger, it's ending, you know, it's bringing clean water to places because it's also um, mitigating disasters, it's also uh, you know treating illnesses. It, it it can be really anything. Yeah, and, and healthcare and. Mm -hmm. and and so at, at Houghton, that's why they made uh, the international development students have to either have to either have a second major or two minors to go along with uh, their their original international development degree. Um, and the reason for that is they want you to be, they want you to have a unique skill set, like other uh, skills that can go into the work. Yeah. So. So, so what were your minors? Well, one one was in uh, well, okay, it's not it's it they were good, um, they weren't great classes. <laughs> it's not like I learned a lot, but I think it'll be beneficial. Um, public health was one of them, and the other one was racial and diversity studies, uh, and so you know, both of those you could see how they might play into international development, even whether whether or not what I was taught really did. <laughs> so uh, this is um. This is, an, this is probably an aside, but um, if you're listening to this podcast, you probably know we're relatively conservative. Our, um, you know, the motto is faith, family, and stewardship. We take a, a fairly conservative thing aside on, on most things. That, uh, that minor was Yeah, not. no, it, it, was, um, it was pretty politically charged, if, I, if I'm being honest. Um, but, you know. That's that's what you got to do for the major. So yeah. here I am. <laughs> so then there was also a requirement to study to to do an internship yep. abroad, right? So it's like a intercultural experience. I think is what they called it. A long term intercultural experience. And long term isn't really long term. It was only um, it was forty days, like a month and a half. And so. Uh, yeah, that's, uh, I mean, it, it kind of happened out of nowhere. I knew I needed to get it done, and I had been asking a couple places about it, and they had been sending me emails about, oh, you can come do this with us or do that with, and it just seemed silly. It seemed like if, if Senegal's already in my heart, and that's the place that I've been going, I don't see why it wouldn't make sense to go and spend some significant period of time there. And uh, it was like, I got a text from you while you were there, like, hey, 
they'll take you for an internship uh you said may right and it's like it's like april <laughs> i was like okay i guess i'm going maybe it was february but no i think we turned it around yeah it was quick. pretty quick um, uh yeah that was it was a good experience though it was a it was an important part of my life so six weeks that's a that was yeah yeah it feels a lot longer when you're there um and then it's over and you're like what that was that was nothing you know yeah. uh especially when you know there's so many friends that we have there that are living there full time even you know the Toomses, they left california to live there full time yeah. um it's like how do they do that <laughs> i don't well i know um for jackie and i it was it felt longer than six weeks don't you think jack yeah <laughs> <laughs> Jackie's not thrilled about being on a podcast, but um. no. But you know, one thing I'll add, just from a, a parent's per, or a mom's perspective, you know, Mike had been going for five years, I think, prior to a child going, and yes, Emily's experience was very different. But to watch Charlie go, to watch Jake go, and to see the pictures and just the. You know, we always we always talk about the kids that are there in Africa, the joy that they have, the smiles on their face. It's contagious. And that did translate to our kids, you know, when they were there. Like, you know, Jake, as much as we um, sometimes the college experience has been a struggle or it's been, you know, challenges. You know, I've shared that that the most joy that I've seen has been in those experiences when you're there, like there's nothing that compares to that that smile yes there's challenges fish gravy that you ate <laughs> so you know we'd get texts up in the night going oh i got fish gravy again and you know he had to yeah, i was about in tears that night because i had had the longest day of my life there i i went on a whole tourist excursion i got invited to go with the students of um uh what's the college there that that you were oh um was it a an goshen goshen, goshen. Yeah. yeah yeah so goshen college um i had met this guy in the supermarket actually with molly and molly was like this is my mentor this man has been teaching me about the bible and we do bible studies all the time he was australian and uh he was like yeah you should come with us to to gore uh next week and i was like okay i've never <laughs> met this guy before you know in america i would never say okay to that to just some random guy i met in the supermarket but in Africa, it's like okay, I, I feel fairly safe that this guy speaks English and that, <laughs> and that uh, he's a mentor for Mali. So, <clears throat> so I signed myself up for that trip, and then we ended up uh, we waited in line um, just to get on the boat to go to Gore. I think we were waiting for four hours. Oh. So we were standing for most of it, and then uh, we got to the to the gate where they're like, okay. 150 people or something get to get on the boat right and they're letting everyone in and they're counting everyone and they get to 150 and me and uh his name is escaping me um but me and the the guy that i went with are the only two people that didn't get on that boat and the next boat is like an hour and a half from then so i finally get to the island it's another 30 minute boat ride and we get there and they've already eaten so now we've got to wait for someone to go get us food and we're sitting there just waiting for food for another hour and a half. Finally, we get our food and they're like, okay, time to go. <laughs> it's 
So we get on the boat and we leave. And I finally, I'm, it was just, it was so pointless and it was so exhausting just waiting, you know? Like, I don't know what's so exhausting about waiting, but it's just like your brain is just, why? Why is this the way that it is here? Um, and, and it's then, like that with everything. Everything, right everything. Now. You can't, and you can't explain it. You can't understand it. It's like, yeah, I think maybe if they use some some ropes <laughs> to, to try and organize this a little bit better, it might work better. But it's like... You can't judge uh, society from from a different 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 lens. You know, if you go to Africa and you look at it with a lens of, okay, their their society is polychronic, which means that they don't really care about time the same way that we do. Time is um, in America. Time is monochronic. It means that we focus on one thing at a time and we don't do another thing until that first thing's done usually. And uh, in Africa, they've got so many things on their mind that they go on a, an errand run to go to the bank and they end up picking up, you know, spare parts for their car on the way. This sounds like my whole entire life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, that kind of stuff happens. And I, I just remember being so exhausted. This was supposed to be a tourist kind of thing, you know. Um, and I got home and it was fish gravy. <laughs> just the, the worst meal that I, I love the food there. That's just, un, it's just inedible almost. Um, and she made it often. Often, very often. Well, somehow she got it in her head that it was your favorite. Was, yeah. Well, it's really the couscous that, that I have a hard time with because it's so, it's like grainy. It's like, it's like sand. sand. Yeah, it's like eating yeah. sand. It's not like the when we tell Americans couscous, they imagine like the balls, like the little balls of, yeah. of pasta, basically. But imagine like I don't know, fifty grit sandpaper or something. Like. <laughs> so then, Emily, yeah, Emily, I'm sorry, Jack. So you, the first trip you went on to Africa was not with Senegal. Was not to Senegal. No. I was leading um, tour trips to Israel, and uh, I remember you coming to me and saying, would you feel really bad if I didn't go to Israel? Right, because you had been going to Senegal all these years, and I really had no interest. No interest in going, no, I don't know, I just, my heart wasn't in it, It it was fine for you. It was different watching the kids go, but then when I got asked to go to Rwanda, with um, with the church we were attending at the time, it just opened it. You know, I felt like okay, my experience maybe needed to be different, and it's Rwanda is a completely different country than Senegal. I mean, lush green, um, rain like just beautiful flowers, just a beautiful country. It's the country known for a thousand hills, um, very clean. We couldn't carry. We couldn't bring a plastic bag you know into the airport they would confiscate a Wegmans bag they you know no Ziplocs um just very very clean as compared to um Senegal you know which is you know we joke that we bring candy over and you they just there's no garbage you do not see a garbage whereas in Rwanda that's very different where they they have cleanup time every once a month on a Saturday where they will actually, it's required by law. It's called Umuganda. <laughs> Is it really? Yeah, I did my senior capstone comparing Senegal and Rwanda. Oh, did you really? Yeah, I oh, did a 20, good. I wrote Maybe a, we talked about that, I, I forgot I about it. I a whole semester, I wrote a 24, like, if you want to get into this, we can do a 24-page paper, <laughs> two-hour podcast <laughs> oh. on it, but 
Yeah, I, I yeah. And what's it <laughs> I'm called? also the resident expert on, on Rwanda. So. Yeah. And what is it called? That Umuganda. I don't I don't know why they call it that, but it, it's like it's a mandated monthly cleanup day, and and it's gotten to the point where Rwanda is now so clean that the people that are they're all they can't drive, they can't go anywhere. Right. There's police that patrol and make sure that everyone's doing what they're supposed to, but because it's so clean there now, they're taking that time to build community gardens, to repair right. people's houses and stuff. It's become this whole community service effort. Right, and it's. And your neighbor will turn you in, <laughs> like you know right. that. I mean, right. they talked about that too. That if you're not out there doing what you need to do for your curb or it for is your a bit area, of a state, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, but isn't that? I mean, they had some of that turning in with the Hutu and the Hutu, Hutu, and Hutu, Hutu, Hutu. yeah, yeah. So um, they they kind of got, when they got a new president, um, they decided that uh, they had to unify the country. They had to forgive people. It became mm -hmm. a very us. Our whole country is, is needs to be unified under one thing, and and this effort for Umaganda and for um, a clean country kind of became their their collective goal. And by having a collective goal and forcing people into collective action, it kind of um, it kind of unified the country. Even though, even though you know you still see neighbors kind of like picking at each other sometimes, and and you can get arrested for plastic bags. It's it's better than genocide. <laughs> right. That's true. Right. And it is, I mean, just a beautiful... It's so clean. Beautiful. So clean. Yeah, beautiful country. And and there's there's aspects of Senegal that are beautiful, too, in its own way. Right, but right. very, you know, it's it's desert. It's well, a dry land. It's, the other thing that should be noted is that in the Western countries like America and Europe, they would not help Rwanda unless they... Uh, you know committed to a green initiative so that was mm. that was part of it they weren't getting financial aid unless they showed that they were going to make moves towards development you know which is interesting because when and i don't remember if it was obama or bush when he went to visit dakar they cut down 100 years 100 year old trees mm. in dakar mm -hmm. for security reasons there was nothing green about that initiative yeah. but yeah. yeah, just completely different countries, too. You, a lot of people, especially here in the States, you tell them they, that you went to Africa, and that's Africa, you know? Yeah. It's not like, where did you go in Africa? Most people know maybe five African countries' names. They don't know that there's actually, like, 60 countries there. Well, and I'm guilty of that, right? I mean, well, we're guilty of New York. You say you live in New York and pick people picture New York City. Mm -hmm. We're in upstate New York, which has rolling hills and waterfalls and beautiful scenery. Mm -hmm. But even within the continental U.S., you know, there is a huge difference between New York and Iowa or mm -hmm. um, Colorado. Like, it, that's how countries yeah. are. We yeah. just... We forget about that piece of it. And you know, um, when I tell people I'm going to Africa, they always ask about the lions. <laughs> mm -hmm. like, always, always. always. Uh, yeah, Senegal giraffes. is the Senegal is the um, I forget what they call it, the country of the lion or something like yeah. that. Yeah, it's because of the shape of the country. It's not because right. of the lions there. It's the Sahel region. It's barely got enough green to yeah, to yeah. sustain that. So Jack, um, you then so you went to Rwanda. And you taught there English, right? Mm -hmm. um, and it was like a two-week trip, wasn't it? 
days. Probably 10 days. I don't really remember. Yeah, we taught as a part of a school. I, you know, not being a teacher, taught ESL. You know, barely can speak English as my first language, let alone. Um, but that was great, great experience. Yeah. Just to. So then, not long after that, within a few years, you went to Senegal. Yeah, Which so was a very different experience. Yeah, 2017, I went to Rwanda, and then 2021 to Senegal. Um, and that was a different experience. And at that point, I think I was ready to kind of experience everything that each of my family members had um, had experienced. And it was great to do that with Charlie and Rachel and um, to finally meet everyone that, you know, everybody had talked to. I mean, every dinner leading up to it and listening to... Mm-hmm the conversations and to finally meet people. And in fact, when I got there to the village, my, um, when I first arrived at the village, yeah, they, Mike wasn't with me and, um, I got out of the car and as soon as Mamadou, Pastor Mamadou realized who I was, he just greeted with me, calling me Ende Sobe, you know, <laughs> because he had already named yeah, me. You were, you were I like was Ende Sobe before. Yeah, you were like the only person that's gone there and had a name before they actually <laughs> yeah, got there. Yeah. But he knew exactly who I was, you know, once I got there and just, it, it felt like family. It felt like home, um, even though I had not, you know, met them in person. So that that was just that piece, and just to experience it, and to um, I'm a person that struggles to just sit. You know, <laughs> when you talked about the do, you know, I'm late to everything because I have to throw in one more load of laundry, mm-hmm. and it, I, that's what I think I was nervous about. Like in Rwanda, I had a mission, I had a purpose. In Senegal, I wasn't exactly sure what that was going to look like. Um, and so just to be a part of their day-to-day, watching the women cook, um, realizing that they need had a need for knives. You know, you take for granted the knives that you have in your kitchen and realizing, wow, this is what they're cutting potatoes and onions it's with. It's, you know, it's a... Dull. It's dull. It's got a metal handle. It's just, you know, so the next year I spent going to garage sales, collecting knives to send over. <laughs> then Mike sends me a picture. I had found um, at a garage sale a uh, really nice Pampered Chef yeah. knife, and I had sent it over, and he, he sent it a picture back to me of them using the knife um, to butcher a to goat. Butcher a goat. <laughs> so, hey, it had a purpose. Then we realized we probably should be sending more of the uh, butchering. Some hunting knives. Yeah. yeah. But it's also like... If you send quality things over there, the the weather will just tear it apart. Yeah, like the it, desert eats everything. It's unbelievably harsh, harsh conditions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Jack, there was one story that, and we're getting, you know, we're probably long enough to. Yeah. But um, the the story of you being in the hut with um, with Rachel as she was getting her hair braided by the by Inde Salve and some of the other women. Um, share some of that. I, and I know that that's a it's a pretty personal story, so I, you don't have to share. Well, yeah, I don't need to share details of it. But yeah, Rachel was getting um, her hair braided, and it took three hours. And so I would come and go, and there was babies to hold, and um, we had a translator in there that um, would communicate and. Just the personal conversations that I had with in De Bay, um, that John Tassone later said, I didn't know that about her. 
Mm-hmm. You know, so to have that female type connection where, you you know, we were talking about birth control. We were talking about feminine well, you things. A, you had a female translator. A female too, right? translator. So we were able to have that. And those are the kinds of conversations you do have, like you're sitting around with girlfriends. Um, or the women that I came across having their business meeting, you know, that was, that's a whole other story. But the real, I I stumbled upon this group of women that were doing their business um, meeting and collecting, and it was really cool. But when they realized I didn't have a clue what they were talking about, one of the women went to go get a translator just to come back and help me (laughs) understand what was happening. And they were collecting money for a future wedding. And it was just it was just neat to be a part of their culture in a very relaxed way. I didn't have any purpose. I didn't have a, you know, I've got to do this. I've got to paint this. I've got to. It was relationship. Mm -hmm. And that's that's the piece that I think we've all experienced Mm -hmm. and really um, have valued as a result of going there. And, and sometimes what we're lacking here in our culture, you know, just that face-to-face, slow down the time, you know, everything is slow. We don't have to be there right at 8 o'clock. Well, and I feel like the trips are, I'm sure Dad can speak to this, but I'm sure that a lot of the trips are just so different when they're informed by a purpose. You know, when you're there at, as part of your job or part of your education, it doesn't it doesn't quite feel the same way. Yeah, yeah. And I feel, and I know we're getting long, and I, it's so funny how we can I, I just mean, talk yeah, about this. Yeah, I could this. talk about this. We, you know, and I didn't really want to talk about anything, but um, to Jake, when you were there for the six weeks, to hear you talk about another group that had come, mm-hmm. and they had been there how many times? Yeah, they had been, at least the, the people that were leading the group had been there four or five times, and they just... It didn't click with them the same way that it did with us. Uh, it was it was very much like we were on the bus. I think I realized it when we were on the bus traveling in into the village, and uh, and I I was jokingly like using the Sorare greetings as Nafio, and they didn't know how no none none of the people on the bus knew how to respond. And I'm like, well, yeah, you're not Senegalese, but I I know for a fact that like the people that we bring with us all have had this they've been forced to kind of become Senegalese for a little bit you know and it was very much for a lot of the groups going not not so much the second group I think they were they were a little better it was like we're gonna go and we're gonna do things we're gonna go and be medical missionaries and we're gonna bring they brought scrubs with them and stuff for these (laughs) these medical clinics Um, and I'm just it like people were treating them like doctors and not like not like missionaries, not like friends, like doctors. And it's like they're not doctors. They're they if you wanna have if you wanna have a chance to share the gospel with people that have never heard the gospel before and people that look at you as if you're some sort of celebrity, you have to get on their level. And that's that's kind of our mission there. Well, I was just gonna add one of the toughest parts at times is that language piece and I've always commended the two of you I mean Jake picked up the language pretty quickly just having a a little bit younger mind than us Um, I came home and tried to learn French for a year and I know I know that I'm going to eat with a horse and I can get a table for two the horse's name is Bob yeah so my French is limited but the two of you can you just do a a quick back and forth of the normal greeting I just think it's so I so the greetings there are like there's not 
deep meaning to it, but it's a long, drawn out thing. You're shaking hands the whole time, it gets awkward. But it's Nafio. Mechemen. Jamsom. Jamsom Kai. Tabina. Ah, Wama. Ah, E. Danapa. Ah, E. Danapa. Uh, yo, yo. <laughs> and it just this back and forth volume. And it's completely dependent on the time of day, too. You know, the way that you say, oh, good afternoon, is it's a different word, just like it is in English. But yeah. the response is also different. You're, it's not like, how are you? They don't, nafio means, how are you? That's why I tell, told the groups when we went, if you use nafio, they will always know what you mean, no matter what time of day it is. That's the easiest way to get around. Just say I got nafio. a new one this last time, Nagatu, and that's basically anytime. Yeah, anytime yeah and, I, and I use wasanam all the time. It means I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> and then there's slang. Like I've got guys in the village who are trying to teach me slang now too. Like um, uh, I'm lose. I forget the one that they always give. Ananya. Yeah, Ananya. That and, one is like, what's up? <laughs> and I'm like, ah, I don't know. Like, how do I respond to that? So. Well, it's not just one language either. You know, they're speaking French and Wolof as well. Yeah. I I found a journal just the other day when I was cleaning my room, from my third trip, I think, uh-huh. uh, talking about how Mangane is teaching me Wolof, right? <laughs> and it didn't click with me the last time I was there, because the last time I was there, he was teaching me Wolof again. I was like, oh, Mangane wants to, he's taking an interest in me. But I realized that he had taken an interest in me years before, and when I showed up again, he was continuing the lessons. Yeah, yeah. And so it was kind of cool, like, just because Mangane is not... He he doesn't make himself available to people. <laughs> but when you realize, bus driver, right? And he, what we say about him is eat, sleep, and drive, and right. that's Mangane's whole life. Yeah, we don't. We, no one knows what Mangane's personality is really <laughs> like. No one knows what his interests are like. I think he likes football, <laughs> but uh, I it, it's. It's just, it was very meaningful to realize, like, he remembered me and he wanted to keep teaching me Wolof. Yeah. So we're going to, we'll close this up. But um, before we do that, I just want to mention that that, uh, Jackie and Charlie and Rachel and Emily and I are going back to Senegal in June. And Jake would be joining us, but Jake has a another experience on tap. Yep. So I'm leaving for Sierra Leone on May 16th, and that's I think that's a three-week trip. So not quite as crazy as the last one, but it's actually a poorer country than Senegal is, which is saying something. Yeah, it's so, hard to believe. Um, that should be something. Do you know what you'll be doing? In Sierra? Yeah, we're. Um, I'm going with my research advisor from Houghton. Uh, he's actually he's retired now, but he he wants to keep doing these trips and um, He sees Sierra Leone as since it's so undeveloped. It's kind of an opportunity for International developers to do the right thing. You know the, a lot of these Developing nations have been hurt a lot by Western culture and Western nations that want to help but aren't doing it quite right so he wants to take Sierra Leone and you create a model essentially for development um, and so what we're doing this is the first time that he's actually been commissioned to do research usually he comes up with a, a research project and and he and some students will go and research it but this time he was there in october and they asked him to specifically do research on the political structure in this village because they haven't had a chief in five years and so they want to get you know they want to diagnose 
I don't know. They want to analyze basically the 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 uh, village and decide, you know, what people are have a right to vote in this election. What people, what level should we do the election at? Um, and ultimately, the goal is to elect a chief for a, a village that hasn't had one in five years. So, twenty-two years old. <laughs> Yeah, well, I'll, I'll be one of the younger ones on this trip, actually. Yeah, but it's a, it's a great experience. It's a great adventure. I, I guarantee I get fish gravy. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, in the future, you'll hear from uh, Jackie. We call her Mama Jack, um, if you want to follow her on Instagram. she's uh, We're going to um, have her back to do some, some gardening stuff. She's trying to do her, her garden this year from seeds, which is... It, laughable if you know her in her green cucumbers thumb. are doing really well <laughs> and uh and we'll have jake on for numerous things in the future between africa and his ability to shoot trophy deer out from under his sister so um but that's it for tonight and uh life's an adventure get out there and live it